0: I'm Katie
1: and I'm Steve and this is the City of Reading Podcast.
0: Welcome to the City of Reading Podcast. This week we interviewed staff from the Reading Fire Department, Reading Police Department, Solid Waste and Reading Electric Utility, put together some safety tips for you and your family this holiday season.
1: We start this episode hearing from City of Reading Fire Investigator Guido Concello. So my name is Guido Concello. I'm a fire investigator with
2: the Reading Fire Department. During this time of year, the early winter holiday month, we start to get an uptick in structure fires. And, uh, you know, we want to remind residents that cooking is the leading cause of fires within dwellings. And a note here from the National Fire Protection Association, it states that from 2013 to 2017, 49% of all residential structure fires in the U.S. were caused by cooking. So we asked that residents practice safe cooking and never leave food items unattended while cooking with an open flame. So Christmas tree fires are not common, um, but they, when they do burn, uh, they spread very quickly. And they are some of the most devastating fires during the holiday season. To prevent that, we ask that, you know, you keep your tree green and watered daily we ask that the placement of the trees is not near any heat sources including vents that could dry the tree with air from the heaters um, please do not put any heating appliances like space heaters near the tree or just a general rule of thumb Um as people do have space heaters to keep them warm in the winter time that they're spaced away from you know combustible materials Anything that can catch fire or potentially, you know, burn an individual such as a child crawling on the ground. Um, Another thing we see is fireplaces and wood stoves. We see we get a lot of flue fires this time of year, especially early on in the winter. People have not serviced or cleaned their flues or wood stoves. Those need to be maintained. We look for at least an annual service on those. Um, That's good just for general maintenance so we don't get creosote buildup, um, preventing fires, and then two, always check your chimney caps. So if those chimney caps are not functioning correctly, um, they can easily toss sparks onto the roof or if it's windy, they can toss sparks into the nearby vegetation, especially during this time of year where we've had some rain but we haven't had a ton of rain, our vegetation is still dry.
1: On that note, with regard to chimney caps, what what does that actually entail someone going up to check their chimney caps? Well,
2: we always ask that someone hire a uh, professional to do it. Someone that's certified in that uh, profession. Um, if an individual is willing to get up on the roof safely, um, you can inspect the chimney cap, make sure that there's everything looks normal, nothing looks abnormal or unsafe. Um, if it does, call a certified professional to to be able to fix that or replace that. And then the last thing uh, will just be general holiday decorations inside the home. So it's a good idea to replace any string of lights that have worn or broken cords or loose bulb connections. We ask that you read the manufacturer's instructions for the number of light strands to connect using clips, not nails, to hang lights so the cords do not get damaged and worn. And then just as always, this time of year or any time of year, test your smoke alarms and tell guests about your home fire escape plan. Keep children and pets away from lit candles. Keep matches and lighters up high in a locked cabinet, stay in the kitchen when when cooking on the stove top, which we already mentioned, and then smokers smoke outside, not inside, remind smokers to keep their smoking materials with them so young children do not touch them, and then provide large deep ashtrays for smokers. Wet cigarette butts with water before discarding
1: And it relates to kitchen fires if if you're cooking you know with grease on the stove and and a fire fire starts with the stove, how what's the best way to put that out
2: so yeah, grease fires can be a little tricky or common sense would say put water on, on any fire. Grease fires. It's not the case. So if there's a grease fire, the biggest thing is to, to remove the heat source. So if it's grease fire on the stove and you can reach the, the dial on the stove to be able to turn the burner off, so we remove the heat source. If it's starting to spread, the goal will be to smother the fire. If that doesn't work, Class K grease fire extinguisher would be ideal in that situation, but do not put water on it. Water on a grease fire will spread the fire.
3: This is the time of year, especially in the holiday season, that people are lighting a lot of candles in their home. And those are the source of a lot of home fires in this season. Is that correct?
2: It is, yes. Candles are um, one of the top five leading causes of fires, especially during this time of year. Um, We ask that residents consider flameless or electric candles or other warmers that have no open flame in a way to prevent fire spread.
3: With Christmas lights, do you recommend installing timers with those or... How long should should folks run those Christmas lights?
2: So our recommendation is that at a minimum, people do not leave Christmas lights on in the middle of the night when they're sleeping. So, of course, like for myself personally, um, inside our home with our Christmas tree, we make sure we unplug our Christmas lights before we go to bed. We also add that on the outside of our house. So our our outside Christmas lights, we make sure we unplug them as well. I think personally doing my job and seeing a lot of fires and investigating fires i become very sensitive to causes of fires, and there's a large amount of possible causes of fires. That's made me very sensitive. So I, I, for myself, want to protect my family and removing any potential hazard that I could. So we recommend that people follow that guideline as well, and they make sure that their lights are unplugged when they go to bed. Enjoy them while you're awake and those lights are attended while they're plugged in. But if they're unattended or you're going to sleep, make sure you unplug them.
3: Next up, we've got Officer Snyder from the Reading Police Department. He's here to give some helpful tips around traveling and shopping safely during the winter and holiday season.
4: I'm Officer Snyder with the Reading Police Department. I'm currently assigned to the Traffic Division. Usually around the holidays, uh, um, obviously uh, we have a weather shift, you know, going from uh, fall to winter. So we always, uh, First thing that kind of comes to mind when we have the weather change, obviously, we want to make sure vehicles are safe for uh, roadway travel. And what I mean by that is just a uh, general safety inspection. Let's make sure the windshield wipers uh, are new and working um, because if uh, we have a heavy downpour, uh, the wipers uh, may not keep up with the rain and uh, give you a clear view out of the windshield. Another thing, uh, during this time of year, it gets darker significantly earlier in the day. So, uh, we'd like everyone to have, uh, working headlights so they could, uh, be illuminated out in front of them so they could see not only vehicles, but, uh, heavy pedestrian traffic during this time of year. And also, uh, make sure your turn signals are working. And also one thing that a lot of people forget is to actually look at their tires, um, to make sure they have the proper tread depth. You know, when, uh, it starts raining or we have, uh, you know, sometimes we have snowfall here. It's good to make sure that you have proper tread depth. And then if you do live in the outside areas uh, of Reading, um, it may be uh, time to also go to those studded tires.
3: And is there any tips that you would have for holiday shoppers as they're out and about um, doing their shopping for, for traffic, but also maybe for safety of their gifts and packages?
4: Yeah, I would highly encourage all holiday shoppers to have the sales pre-scoped out so they're not looking on their phone. When they're traveling from point A to point B to see who has the better deal. So, uh, they're not a distracted driver. Um, pay attention to the, uh, posted signs that may have a pedestrian crossing, a decrease in speed limit. And then once they are safely within the parking lot of whatever uh, business they choose to shop at, you know, maybe park under a well lit area also too. If they've done previous shopping, maybe store those items. And the trunk. One other thing that kind of comes to mind is a lot of times, you know, people will leave their cars running because they're going to run into that store right in front of them just to get that one quick item. And, uh, you know, leaving the vehicle running during this time of year could uh, lead to a uh, vehicle theft. So if you could follow those things, hopefully you won't be victim of a theft and you'll uh, have an enjoyable shopping experience within the city of Reading.
1: And what about on the home front with regard to safety, you know, at home during the holidays? Um, Any, any tips for the community in
4: that regard? Yeah, obviously, uh, leave your, uh, porch well lit. Um, A lot of times too, you're receiving emails, um, when a package may or may not be delivered. So one thing you may want to communicate with is your uh, mail provider about, uh, not leaving a specific package depending on the value on the porch. Uh, Maybe working with some of your neighbors, um, letting them know, hey, I have a package coming. Can you kind of watch my porch? You know, we all kind of know the, uh, Postal services have kind of a set schedule. Obviously, uh, holidays extends that schedule. So, uh, just being cognate on, uh, when your packages are being delivered. A lot of residents within the city of Reading have, you know, the ring cameras and other security systems that monitor their doorstep and that's great. However, that doesn't keep the package from being stolen. All that does is document the theft. So although it's a, uh, it's great to have. Just getting the package off the porch and into a secure spot is uh, probably the best thing that I could tell people.
1: And and should something happen in that regard, whether it be theft or something at the shopping centers or whatnot, what's the best course of action for for folks to Um, take at that point? The best
4: course of action is always to contact the uh, non-emergency number, and we'll be more than happy to uh, come out and either provide a case number or a log report number to document the theft. Um, because a lot of times, you know, when you have something stolen off the porch, the post office may want to know the uh case number and then that would get forward to the uh postmaster because that's actually a uh theft of mail.
3: In the case of a traffic collision, what's the course of action that people should take if they happen to get into a traffic collision while they're out shopping?
4: Obviously, uh a traffic collision, uh no one's hurt. Um call the non emergency number. Um an officer or myself will uh or a CSO will respond and, uh, provide a log report number or document the, uh, accident via collision report if there's a, uh, noted injury. And obviously, uh, during this time of year, you know, there is a, uh, uptick in, uh, DUI arrests associated with collisions. So, um, one of the things that we always ask is if you're going to go out and, uh, drink adult beverages to, uh, have a designated driver and, uh, take the time to download, a Uber or Lyft app and, uh, Get picked up from uh, your various locations so that others could be safe.
1: Paul Clemens is the Deputy Director of Public Works for the City of Reading and talks all things Christmas trees, recycling, and best of all, garbage trucks.
5: Uh, my name is Paul Clemens, uh, Deputy Director of Public Works for the City of Reading, and my job duties involve pretty much everything that has to do with garbage, recycling, and the fleet maintenance for the City of Reading. The most common things we get is what to do with Christmas trees uh, when they're taken down. So Christmas trees are recyclable as long as they're uh, real trees and they're not flocked. Then uh, they can be brought to the transfer station and uh, we'll take them and put them in our green waste pile. We take them without charge for the first two weeks Uh, and then also the first full week of January we actually collect them at the curb on your normal collection day. So when you put your trash out if uh, customers put their Christmas tree out alongside of it, cut it into four foot links and put it next to the cart, or if they want to cut it up and put it in their green waste cart, they can do that, and we'll we'll collect it at the curb.
1: If if they don't want to cut the tree, that they, they, as you mentioned, they can bring the entire tree to the
5: to the transfer station. Yes, that's correct. And then we we will grind it and make compost out of it. The thing that we get. Ask probably the most has to do with wrapping paper and whether wrapping paper is recyclable or not so if it's a metallic paper or it has flocking type material stuck to the outside of it that is not recyclable cannot go in your blue cart it's basically trash but if it's just plain wrapping paper then that is recyclable and it can go in your blue cart and it'll be recycled and so that's the way to address wrapping paper Probably more during Thanksgiving, people want to uh, deep fry turkeys or things like that. And so through the holidays, we actually have a specific receptacle available at the transfer station at 2255 Abernathy Lane where people can bring in their used fry oil and then uh, we'll recycle it for them in our drop-off and household hazardous waste area. So those were my tips for uh, things that might come in handy and be beneficial during the holidays. And,
1: Paul, with regard to both collection route times and days around the holidays and also things like wrapping paper and, you know, when when community members have those questions of kind of what can and can't be recycled, City of Reading does have a a great app as well as a a tool on on the website itself. Can
5: you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. uh, You have two options. You can call our office, and uh, we have a great set of customer service representatives that would be happy to help and answer any questions. And then we also have on our website, that, and you can download it as well from the App Store, um, is a waste wizard. And so what that will do is allow customers to type in a material type, and it will tell you the best way to dispose of it or the options that you have for disposal and different disposal locations. And so you can access that on the city's website, on the Solid Waste page. It's an app that you can download, and, If you download the app, you also have the option to have it give you reminders for your collection days, and then whenever there's holidays and changes in our collection schedule, that app will actually send you a little text or an alert if you wanted to uh, to let you know that there's a change or adjustment in the collection schedule. Times where there's something I think could be recycled but it should be tossed and
1: even vice versa, when folks put things in their recycling that really should be going in the garbage, what does that mean? For, you know, for the staff at the transportation the actual process of, of recycling?
5: Uh, it creates what we'd call a residual or contamination level. Part of our materials recovery facility, or we refer to it as a MRF, where everything that's in blue carts and your blue recycling cart gets sorted. Some of it is a manual sort and some of it is automated and done by machines, but the trash has to be pulled manually, and so the more trash or contamination that is collected that doesn't get pulled out manually and can get by and, and doesn't get seen or caught affects the quality of the material, and that can affect the price of, of the material, and we use the money generated, the funds generated from selling the materials to help offset the cost of collection and processing and supporting our other recycling programs. So the better the price we get, uh, the less our rates are impacted, and it also helps us achieve a product that is marketable that people want. And in times when recycling is tough or markets are down or you're not getting a lot, it's the quality product that the other folks are looking for on the other end that the brokers are looking for. And so by having a quality product, uh, it helps us to be able to support our programs, get higher returns or to get a better rate on our commodities or on what we market, what we send to market.
3: And I have a question about a common package material that we might see more during the holidays as people are opening gifts is styrofoam. And is the City of Reading currently recycling styrofoam?
5: We do currently recycle styrofoam. We just don't do it in the blue carts at the curb. And so I know that that can make it inconvenient, but we do accept it at the transfer station. The reason that we don't accept it in blue carts is we've only got so much area to be able to sort different materials. And so right now, at this point in time, having that material styrofoam source separated, so to speak, or sorted by customers at home and brought separately to the transfer station, Uh, we can go ahead and process that material. We put it through densification process where it actually grinds up styrofoam, compresses it, and you get a density improvement. So it's about 80 to 1 is the densification. And then we save that up. And that's something that we can actually market and get money for. And when we do that, one of the things they make out of that that's kind of common is crown molding or picture frames or some of the things they make out of recycled styrofoam. One other safety tip is you know, our, our drivers are very conscious. They're very professional. They do a great job. Our whole staff does, our whole utility. I would say one of the things is that people are, young children are attracted to big equipment and trucks. And so, you know, our our drivers love it when they want to wave and say hi and say hello. We have the social distance wear masks and all those types of things right now. And so that's all great. Just remember that those are big pieces of equipment and that they need a little room and space and so that way everyone is safe around them and uh we can all keep enjoying the big trucks.
3: Finally we have Scott Davis, a residential energy advisor with Reading Electric Utility. He gives some helpful tips on how to save energy and save money this winter season.
6: Scott Davis. I am the demand side management coordinator for RU. My role is a lot of the rebate programs. I do inspections and process rebates and help people through the applications. And then I'm also the residential energy advisor and the commercial energy advisor.
1: Scott, can you maybe fill us in on a couple of holiday safety tips that, that RU has for the Reading community?
6: Sure. Always be prepared for a winter outage. And a lot of times that comes with high winds and, and wet roads and all those things that cause power lines to go down. A lot of the time our outages are caused by vehicle on pole collisions. So what to do with down power lines? Don't go near them. Call them in and report them. You know, make sure you're you're you are safe before trying to help someone else when there's a down power line. And then on the outage side of that, make sure you've got some fresh batteries in the house for any of your flashlights, or you know you're able to charge your cell phones and things like that. Have a battery backup, and then uh, always keep some fresh water on hand. We try and do everything we can to get power restored as fast as possible, but sometimes you get a snowmageddon incident and things are down for a while. So it, it's good to be prepared for at least a day or two. Um, have some extra food fill your barbecue tanks just try and keep those topped off if you're an all-electric house and you have no power you have no means of cooking either it's nice to have a couple barbecue tanks full because that'll get you by at least you can throw some steaks on or or grill up
1: some veggies whatever you got to do to get by uh And, Scott, when when there is an outage, what's the the best way for folks to learn about the status of that outage?
6: Call 339-7200. That's our customer service line. I mean, that's that's about all we can do to keep the public updated when it's in a a localized zone is they can call in and and check the status. Um, And then there's also our website where we can update current situation. So that'd be rupower.com. If there was one major thing you can change on energy savings, it would be probably thermostat setting. On an all-electric home, a lot of people have a heat pump, but they don't know that if you turn your thermostat up more than two degrees at a time, it takes on the heat strips and it raises your bill. Most of those units have an air conditioner that runs in reverse for heating. So that's what the heat pump does is it changes the direction and gives you heat instead of cooling. But it has electric heat strips in it most of the time, that draw about the same energy as a dryer, electric clothes dryer. So if you turn that thermostat up more than two degrees at a time, you can kick those strips on and it causes you to draw a lot more power than it would if you turned it up incrementally, two-degree increments. That's probably the biggest one for all electric households is don't turn that thing up wildly.
3: So would you recommend maybe you were gone all day and so you've set your thermostat very low because nobody was home, and then once you get home, you want to warm the, the house back up. You recommend so- just doing two degrees at a time, and then two degrees, and then two degrees until you get eventually get to the temperature you'd like?
6: Typically, yeah. So if you warm up a house in small increments as well, you don't just heat the air, you're heating the entire home. So even though it goes up two degrees and then shuts off, it's still going to kick back on in a few more minutes. Because when you turn a system off, the entire home equalizes to whatever temperature is inside. That happened in the summertime too, but in the winter, you're extremely cold, maybe not extremely, but our area does get pretty cold, occasional snow and things like that. Everything in the house equalizes to that temperature. The dishes inside the cabinets are 55 if you shut it off. The the flooring, the carpet, the sofas, all of that. So when you kick your system on and you're heating your home, it's heating the air first. And then the air heats every other piece of material in the house. So... If you turn it up by a big increment, it heats the air fairly quickly, but the walls and everything else is still cold and it sucks that heat out of the room. So if you go up at that two degree increment, it'll cause you to run less cycles and less often with shorter cycles instead of really long, drawn out 10 degree. Oh, I left it off all night and cranked it up 20 degrees this morning.
1: Is there a recommended temperature to kind of keep your house fat? For example, if you're out, is it better to leave it to heater at a certain temperature at, that you'll return to or let it Stay off all the way and then kind of work to heat the house back up once you return home.
6: Yeah, generally I tell people try not to change it more than like five degrees from whatever your comfort zone is. So if your comfort zone, like there are a lot of recommended temperatures, 68 for winter time, 78 in summertime. A lot of people aren't comfortable with that. Most job spaces are not that temperature, so they keep it about roughly whatever their job space is. They work inside. That's what they're used to. So I try and tell people to watch your bill, pay for comfort if you can afford it. But if you're strapped, then keep it within five degrees of your comfort zone with you leave because your system will actually run left maintaining a temperature than playing catch-up. So if you turn it down more than five degrees, you're going to play a lot longer cycles when you get home instead of running a couple of cycles throughout the day to maintain that at comfortable temperature. And
3: what would you say is the most common question you get when you're on the phone with somebody um, as a residential energy advisor?
6: It kind of depends on the call. I get three main types of calls. One is, hey, my bill's really high. What can I do to lower it? Uh, oftentimes that is thermostat settings or if they own a pool, make sure that that's on really minimal cycles during the winter because uh, they draw a considerable amount of power on pool pump. The other one that I get is, can you give me a list of things that I can do to improve the efficiency of my house? So a lot of people are looking for, like right now with people working from home, they're looking for home improvement projects, And so I try and give them a list of like the uh, best bang for your buck on energy efficiency, which a lot of times is insulation first. If you think about it like a an ice chest. The more ice you have in the chest and the more insulation that it is, the longer it'll last. So the same thing applies with heating and air. Is When you're cooling a house or heating a house, the more insulation you have around that, the longer you can hold that temperature and not run your unit. So increasing your insulation is a big one for not running a lot of heating and air cycles. Uh, the other thing is weather stripping on doors and, and ceiling windows. Cause if you can keep that outside temperature from contaminating your inside, warm air, uh, keep that cold air outside where it belongs, then you'll also run less cycles.
3: So Scott, <laughs> is there uh, a, a place online where folks in the community can find this information?
6: Yep, so there should be on our webpage a winter savings tip sheet that has, I believe, a 10 different items that you can do, just basic how to run the house or put a water heater blanket on for the winter time, things like that, um, that should be on the website
1: that people can reference to try and improve their efficiencies through the winter. So let's quickly recap what we learned today. From Reading Fire Department, we heard how kitchen fires are one of the leading causes of house fires. Please be safe in the kitchen. Flameless candles are the way to go. And don't forget to unplug those Christmas lights before bed each night.
0: From the Reading Police Department, we learned some helpful tips on how to shop safely by keeping bags and purses in your trunk. And don't text and drive. Keep your vehicle in tip-top shape by checking wipers, tires, and fluids during the winter to prevent accidents. And whatever you do, don't leave your car running with the keys in the ignition. That is a recipe for having your car
1: stolen. Paul from Public Works filled us in on the proper way to dispose of a Christmas tree by either leaving it on your curb the first few weeks of January or cutting it into pieces no larger than four feet and putting them in your green bin. He also talked about keeping kiddos a safe distance from garbage trucks. They're big, exciting machines, but should be treated with caution.
0: Lastly, Scott from Reading Electric Utility gave some great advice on energy efficiency, like raising your thermostat no more than two degrees at a time to keep the house at a steady temperature throughout the day. And the best offense is a good insulation job. Keep those doors and windows closed and check that weather stripping. That's it for us. Happy holidays, everyone. Be safe and have a great holiday season.